Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I am here with my friend Megan Foster. She's been doing agility. She's got two years on me because she started in 1999 and I started in 2001. Um, She owns and operates Synergy Dog Sports, which is located in Western Washington. Um, She's a popular seminar presenter. She's also a One Mind Dogs coach. And I think she is a really excellent agility trainer, and we're going to get into the specifics of why later on this episode. But Megan, welcome. And will you tell us a little bit about your current dogs and what they're doing? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thanks, Sarah, for having me. This is probably the most spontaneous thing I'll do all week. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Impromptu. (laughs) Sorry, not uh, sorry. Podcast, exactly. Um, I currently have three dogs. Uh, Smack is an 11-year-old Border Collie. Shock is an 8-year-old Border Collie, a full sibling to Smack. And Shrek, my almost 4-year-old Parson Russell Terrier, who I think most of you might know if you know me. Yep. No? What else do you want to know about them, Sarah? Well, I think that... Let's see. Smack and Shock have had, um, especially Smack, really great careers and nothing that's like shock or your fault is why shock's career was a little bit cut short but um i want to hear about shrek because he is almost four and he's not competing that's right he is and that's a titleless four-year-old dog and that doesn't mean that he doesn't have training because he's actually probably your best trained dog. <laughs> That's correct. At the exact same age, he's got more skills than yes. either of my border collies put together. Yes. So, and we kind of commiserate because I also have a four-year-old sweet, delicate boy dog that's not competing who also has really wonderful skills. So, just tell me, tell us a little bit about Shrek. Like, why... Is he your kind of star training dog, but then not your star competition dog? Well, um, I, I got Shrek with the hopes of him being my star competition dog. And I've not let go of those hopes at all, uh, because there's a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack with him, but Shrek just came with his own timeline. Uh, he, he was a brilliant puppy. I thought from day one, this was going to be pretty easy. I knew a ton He was easy to train, he was confident, he went everywhere, and then around 15 months, things changed. And I have ideas and speculation as to what changed, but I've kind of let it go at this point. Uh, Hormones, a bad experience, whatever you want to call it, but things changed, and he took me down a, a different timeline. And... So he's not been competing. Because you accepted his timeline. Totally. Rather than push him into your timeline. Yeah. Uh, I really think he's been he's been tested in the competition ring several times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he showed me a lot of good stuff 
each test, but not enough good stuff, not, a, not at a high enough fluency and uh, confidence level that it was worth pushing him through in competitions. Right, because you help people solve problems all the time <laughs> that they produce by accepting that not quite good enough level of fluency and confidence in their young dogs. Right. And so you recognized it and backed off. And that's actually exactly the same as Felix. He, I put him out several times. Um, each time he showed me something to work on and I went and worked on it and brought him back out. And he's definitely been able to do the thing that I pulled him out to work on for each time. But also each time I just don't see the confidence that I see in training. And I am too, I'm too wary of the issues that that can create. Like, <laughs> totally. I just don't want to go there. So Absolutely. it's totally, I probably, if I had just pushed it, he'd be out there competing now. I mean, not now because I have stuff, but like <laughs> maybe, yeah. but it's not a risk I'm willing to run. I, I agree. I think a lot of people and a lot of dogs can, and maybe mm -hmm. Shrek could be that dog too, that you could just trial through it. Uh-huh. But I kind of feel like you're going to struggle somewhere. Yeah. And you you get to kind of choose where and when you struggle. So I can choose to enter a competition that costs way more <laughs> money. If we're just going to go there, let's just go there. It costs way more money to enter a weekend competition than to sign up for an online class that I think is yep. more suited to my needs. It does. Or go to a seminar or... Yep. Or go for a walk. I mean, like anything right. Right. other than competing. Right. And I think I'm going to get there you will in get the there same faster. way. Yeah. Or, or fat. Like, even if it takes the same amount of time. If I had been competing mm. with him from the time he was 15 or 18 months. Because I do think his first competition test was at 18 months. And he completed the course. Yeah. But there was little, But you like, weren't happy. I was, like, I was, right, he did the thing, he wanted to be there, but I knew there was more. Because you're very cognizant of the fact that he was looking at the people totally. on the sideline and totally. things like that. And you just, I want to see them walk into that ring and the rest of the world becomes invisible yeah, to them. Yeah, like it does for me. <laughs> like it does for me. Because, and we've all, you know, that's right. a whole other podcast but, totally but um <laughs> yeah when i walk edgy into a ring the basically the building could fall down exactly that's yeah. how it is with smack and a lot of times with shock too that yeah it nothing else could matter and i wasn't i didn't get that feeling with shrek yeah so it wasn't worth it to me to continue to put him in that situation yeah. uh, and and agility is my sport anyways if yeah <laughs> if he's gonna be less than what i want to compete with we just won't compete, but I love training the heck out of this dog. I feel that way too. And I think sometimes that doesn't go over well with a lot of people, right. but once you experience running a dog who, who lives for it, like you do, mm -hmm. you don't want to go back to running a dog that nope. is just kind of doing it. Cause you asked them to. Right. Um, and I don't even get that feeling from Shrek. Like, he's not doing anything well, just because I asked him to. He's a terrier, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's a terrier after all. And, right, and so it's just, I'm just not interested in going there. And right. also you are interested in very high levels of competition, international types of competition. And so he can be a loved 
training partner and pet if that's not what he wants to do. Yeah, if he decides he wants a slightly different career path, it's fine with me. And he flies really well, so you can take him to a lot of seminars, which is really cool. Anywhere with me. Yeah, he flies really well, which I think is awesome because he loves his crate. He loves his crate. He loves to sleep. Nap time is... I am here for that. I mean, so many things about him are very terrier-like. And then his inability to actually hunt rodents. <laughs> or if you throw a frisbee in the bushes, he's like, I'm not getting he's that. He's like, I can't possibly I, go yeah, in there. No. Mm. Can you use your flesh? Because my perfectly terrier coat can't go into the <laughs> blackberries. To be fair, the blackberries are treacherous around here. Um, all right, so... You and I, and the reason that I wanted to talk to you on the podcast, have a shared belief that agility should, and really all sports, but we're here to talk about agility, um, should be taught via what I call micro skills. So basically the tiny pieces that then all come together to make a good performance. Um, do you want to talk about some of those skills? Sure. Um, since I do bring my dogs home with the hopes of them being agility stars. I have tried to take every obstacle or handling skill that I can think of that I want in the long term and break it down into the tiniest fraction of a piece that can be taught to an eight week old puppy. Awesome. Right. So that, and then building on that week after week, then suddenly six, seven, eight months later, the behavior's done. And then that also means that sometimes I get to a certain point in my training where I have to take a break because the puppy isn't physically or mentally prepared for the next step. Yeah. Okay. Um, But a lot of those micro skills are how to collect. This is a huge surprise to you, I'm sure. How to collect reinforcement. (laughs) Yeah. Reinforcer skills are probably number one. Number one. Because... How fun to teach a baby puppy. Oh my gosh. Right? It's, it's so, so easy. easy. Yeah. And, and just, and but also how to collect reinforcers tends to also set the dog up for success in every session structure. Like so many of the things that we teach, uh, running dog walk target training, running A-frame uh, box target training, mm-hmm. uh, two by twos is a back and forth type of behavior. Oh yeah. It's go do a thing, come back to be paid. Exactly. Go do a thing, come back to be so, paid. Or just a cookie toss back and forth type game. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I teach a puppy is how to go chase a cookie and come back and wait for instructions and yeah. go eat that cookie over there and come back and wait for instructions. Yeah. Uh, so, and I can take that everywhere. I can teach. So by puppy's first skill might be chase a cookie, but I can take that everywhere and generalize that we can work everywhere. Which is such a nice way to reframe kind of quote unquote socialization for a sport dog, because there's a lot of talk on the internet about socialization right now (laughs) and how sport dogs are different from pet dogs and sport dogs shouldn't actually be socialized like pet dogs. And Actually, everyone should be helped to be as comfortable as they need to be in all the environments that they need to be comfortable in. Right. For our dogs, that means working in every environment. Exactly. And, Being and, able to show up and own the place. Yeah. And, and the first it skills. Out, just like we talked about. With right. <laughs> like it's, AG okay, you know how to chase a cookie. 
Now do you know how to chase a cookie in a park? Right. Now do you know how to chase a cookie in Home Depot? Now do you, you know, like, um, and what you don't realize is that socialization is occurring. Right. They're getting exposed then, yeah. to the world and realizing that, oh, yeah, I can chase a cookie here. And they may go out, get their cookie, look, and come back. Yeah. And that's for me to observe. That's for, yeah, that's for <laughs> you to go, oh, you aren't comfortable here right. yet. Right? Really cool. Yes. So go get a cookie. What else? Um, go get a cookie. Go get a cookie in all these different <laughs> ways, like in a dish and in a, and, you know. Yeah, go, or, yeah, exactly. Be still. How to be still. Whoa. Mic drop. <laughs> I know. This is, this is um, I love shaping and I love dogs mm-hmm. that move. Mm-hmm. But how many duration behaviors, be still behaviors, do we have in agility? Starline stay a lot, a lot. and then contacts. what behaviors give people problems? Yeah, those those are those <laughs> drum rolls. Spoiler alert! Right, spoiler yeah. alert. The how to be still is huge. So with even yeah. just teach your dog that stillness is a reinforceable behavior. Yes. And that stillness leads to action. Yes. I love it. Oh, that's a huge I think that's missing me. hugely. Um, and I think it all happened when, you know, for me anyway, I, we both started agility pre-internet, pre, yeah. like pre-social media. Yeah, right? I wasn't even allowed to talk to people. I was too young. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> if you had been able to get on the internet, which we didn't have it in our house even for a long time before, um, after it was a thing, you weren't allowed to talk to anyone because you were a kid, right? No, kid. So... Allowed to use the internet. It's dangerous. No, it's dangerous. There's people, there's strangers out there. Um, I mean, true story. True. It is dangerous. But but, so then Sylvia Turkman. Yeah. Like YouTube was born. YouTube. And Sylvia Turkman... Suddenly, suddenly we were aware of Sylvia Turkman. Right. And we being we us in to, the United yeah, States. Yeah, get things a little late. Right. The United <laughs> States was suddenly aware of Sylvia Turkman and what she was doing. And we all kind of went, whoa, because of her running contacts. But then we saw her all her YouTube videos of her dogs doing these outrageous tricks. Right? Yeah. I remember... Trying to teach one of my dogs to drum. Yes, to play the drums because she had this video of all of her dogs in a band. And they were drumming and playing a guitar and like, oh my God, it was so funny. It was a mess. And we all were like, ooh, clicker training. Right. Ooh, shape. Right. And so then we all got really, really good at teaching dogs to move and throw behaviors. And that was something we needed. Yeah. Because... In the early days of agility, it was all like, you know, it was mostly people came over from competitive obedience and nobody was teaching dogs to think or move or, no, I or lured, try stuff. I, uh, you know, lured my dog through everything. Me too, right? Um, I lured and I also used worse forms of coercion, right? And <laughs> and then with Iggy as a baby, I was like, I'm going to do all clicker training. Right. And I really failed to teach her that stillness was an option. Yeah. And had to teach it to her way later. And it was much harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder. And I I see that that missing puzzle piece in a lot of my clients where I didn't have them as young dogs. Yeah. And they don't understand it. So just being able, like I said, to hold, just holding a contact zone for more than half a second. Is really hard for them. It's hard for them. And then 
And then we expect them to do it with all sorts of handler distractions and environmental distractions and everything that a competition is. And it, it breaks down. Really and then no wonder it breaks down so fast. And the start line stay breaks down even the faster. <laughs> even faster. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it's arguably more difficult um, because of, I think, just the pressurized place oh, that it occurs in. Especially right? in our indoor so many facilities. Feelings. And such a tight little arena, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That we're usually, we walk in and walk two steps and they were at the, step, right. exactly. the start There's line. Yeah, a lot of breathing room. Zero, <laughs> I would say. Right. <laughs> Which again is where it's important for the humans to learn how to tune everything out to. But maybe we'll get um, a certain person on this podcast to talk about that later. <laughs> um, so we've got reinforcer skills, which I think, you know, yes, that involves eating a cookie every which way every possible. which way I can think of and then the always element. returning back to work mm -hmm. for the next cookie and usually returning back to work and being still waiting for the next often, cookie to be and then often wrong. stillness leading to more um, action. action so action to stillness and back to action is literally the game yeah. of dog agility and people yeah. are missing that stillness Pay attention component. to me versus go out and do everything on your own. It's, right. it's all the same concept, which again is just what I go for. And I think that a lot of people are really focused on teaching puppies a skill that I also think is important, which is um, chase the handler. Yeah. That's so important. But if it stands alone, if that's all you teach. Mm -hmm. There has to be a balance. That's where those <laughs> other things are a problem, yeah. right? Um, it's like I say, balance is a verb. You do one right. thing and then you come back to the other thing rather than thinking of it as this like golden achievement of now I have it. My dog has all the skills. Right. You train one and then you bounce over to the other one. And then you have to go back to the other one a little bit to pull the scales back. Yeah, <laughs> because you're it's a pendulum and you're always yeah. trying you're and always trying to make it hover up. in the middle as much as you can. And then absolutely there's going to be dogs who then, are really good at stillness. And there's going to be dogs yeah. who are really good at action. Uh, and, and I think it that concept of stillness versus action also does carry over to handling when you're talking about obstacle focus versus handler focus. Oh, I love that. Talk about that. Right. So back to toss a cookie or chasing the handler. Mm -hmm. It's not just chase the handler for me. It's go chase that cookie I just threw and still eat it while I'm running away in the opposite direction. And then chase me down. Right. Mm, so go it. do the thing I asked you to yeah. do. Go take that jump and then come catch up with me after that front cross. Or yes. so that they, they kind of learn, okay, I can do both. Yeah. I But it starts with go eat a cookie, not go do a jump or go do a tunnel. The micro skill in that is just go eat. Yeah. And we both use a lot of, um, use the reinforcer to train the skill rather than the obstacle to train the skill. Correct. So the dog should actually already have the skill right. of go do the thing, then chase me down before you ever try to do a send and go with a wing. Right. Right. So basically I, I might use a cookie in a bowl for that go to the bowl while I'm running away. Yeah. And then a wing is just going to appear one day between you and the bowl. So you yes. have to go around the wing yes. to get to the bowl. It just and was there. It just was there. And I'll fade the bowl out, and eventually the bowl will be a distraction instead, in addition to the reinforcer. Yeah. So it'll be a proofing mechanism later on. I love it. Because if we teach 
these micro skills about our reinforcers. Then we have the uh, ability to break down every skill into these really achievable pieces. Yeah, so it's mentally doable Yeah. for a very young puppy. And all you're doing is changing things slightly. Right. But not necessarily making them harder. No, not at all. Uh, basically, everything is the exact same setup and session structure for my entire dog's life. It's just a slightly different application of it. Yeah. All right, so you travel a lot to teach. Um, which I think is fantastic because people really, this is, this kind of stuff is stuff that I don't think a lot of people are teaching. So I love that you travel a lot to teach. What across the board are you seeing that teams are missing? Hmm. Yeah, it's not an agility skill. Shocker. Uh, everywhere I go, the agility is fantastic. That agility, like you said, agility is not lacking anywhere. Access to agility training. Great instruction available anywhere you right, are. Any, yep. And right, the internet solved that for Because us. of the internet, right. you no longer have an excuse. So many, <laughs> right. You can train a dog off of YouTube or blogs or just nice people on Facebook sharing their own stuff. Like yep. You can follow any yep. really high-level competitor's puppy journey. Like So yep. access to agility training. Easy peasy. And yep. so everywhere I go, the agility is fantastic. The one thing that tends to happen is I get hired for agility and handling instruction because I, I do I do think I'm pretty good at that. Um, but I often spend more time on the dog training. Yeah. How to be at a seminar. <laughs> That's what they're missing. That's honestly what a lot of dogs that I work with are missing and it maybe is that skill of how to be still. I think that's where it starts. How to go. Yeah. Right. So when you're, when you're teaching an all day seminar, you've got 10 to 12 participants and every dog change is about two minutes out of the day. So yeah. while everyone wants to do more shorter turns, when it comes to, agility handling where I'm supposed to be teaching the dog and the human, it's not possible. Yeah. The dogs really do need to be able to be out, not active, but out for seven to 10 minutes and ready to go and stop and go and stop. Yeah. Which is hard for them. It's so hard and for we them. need to teach them how to do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing that's lacking because if they don't know how to settle mm -hmm. three minutes in, their tongues are hitting the ground they can't, and they can't they function no anymore. Brain. They have no more brain because they don't know how to just be on a break without being done. Yeah, and don't you feel like um, that's one of those things that nobody told these people they needed to teach, no, right? No so then they show I up. Needed it. No kidding. So and smack so then can't do it. <laughs> they show up. Oh, Iggy's the worst at it. She can't. Iggy like, and Smack so are hard, like right? roughly the same age. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, Iggy's Iggy <laughs> is the worst at it, and yeah. I've worked on her so that she can switch with Felix if I'm training right. both of them it's still it's, it's really it's hard still tough for her he tends to dance around me mm -hmm. the entire time or want to tug the entire mm -hmm. time and it's just like Ugh. you're like dude just chill chill and so nobody told them they needed it they show up at a seminar realize they need it 
but the seminar is not about that. It's and it's kind of a that. disaster situation. And I get the email. I actually got an email last week that was like, I'm going to this three-day seminar. <laughs> My dog can't be quiet in a crate. It's next week. Can you help me? Um, yes, but no. <laughs> and basically the answer is I can help you, but that's that timeline's not realistic. Right, like I yeah. need. And, and good for you for realizing that this is yeah. going to be a problem ahead of time, but you're going to need to put a Band-Aid on it for this coming exactly. seminar. Exactly, but isn't that like so common is that realistically we need a few months but the real world gives us days it's true and honestly <laughs> we you wouldn't need months if someone the foundation you. was there because somebody told you when the thing was eight weeks old right right so um i ran puppy elementary for watson's kind of puppyhood and it was i think a lot less exciting than people wanted it sure, to be sure because a lot of it was just hang out and be a dog right and just observe things and be cool observing things and so much more of that than actual active training right and now watson's enrolled in your class yeah and he's doing great at that part he he's doing great he we are outside we've got six dogs out or uh six dogs in the class five dogs in the class goodness five dogs in the class and he's often just lying down out mm -hmm. of a crate on a leash um, last week we had all five dogs working at the same time, which is magic. I don't know how. Wow. It got so and they were all lucky doing amazing. All of these dogs are capable of that, but That's it, really cool. but yeah, it's so it's important so that cool. he can do that stuff. Right. And it's so important that you actually also incorporate things like that in your foundation classes. So that's good. But not everybody's going to. Like, no. people can't expect their no. instructor to just change their curriculum not tomorrow. And I think that, you know, by and large, we go to instructors who are competitors, not really dog trainers. Right? And that's uh -huh. kind of that. Therein <laughs> lies the issue. Right? That, yeah. Like I said, I get hired for handling. You do. But then you and... you get brought back for the training. Though. Yes. Like, I mean, you're, you're an excellent handler. And you are a great handling instructor. But what sets you apart right. is the dog training. Yeah, because piece. I because there's because excellent <laughs> handlers are a dime a dozen. Right, it, they are. Yeah, and they're great. Yeah, but they're but the dog training is what's lacking, it's, and and it's hard when dog train. When we say dog training, we're saying we're meaning things like this. We're right. meaning These, micro skills. We're meaning hang out when it's not your turn. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about concrete skills surrounding hangout when it's not your turn because you just shared a video of shrek lying on a cot for four straight minutes yeah while you chatted with your instructor about <laughs> how your training session just went and what you were going to do next and you shared it because you were like you guys <laughs> this is the sexy stuff i know you don't know that it is but it is yeah. and a lot of really smart people were like oh that is really great um but I'm sure a lot of people were like, good so for what? you, Megan. Right. Uh <laughs> Woohoo. Woohoo. Um, so talk about how you talk about, you know, Cliff Notes version of how you get there. Mm. I know how I do, but it's it's also evolving. Yeah, and every dog in front of you will evolve it and push totally. it. Totally. And it goes a little bit differently with every dog in front of me anyways. But uh, specifically that caught action got brought into every micro skill that I he love was it. taught. Yeah. That it started and ended every repetition. Excellent. So you'd ask him to get on the cot. 
and and eat. then you do your cookie toss yeah. whatever game and then you get back on the cot right and then you go back to the game right and I specifically train for him the cot to be uh positionless so he's just to stand on it mm-hmm. and then he's to be on it in whatever position he chooses and it, it's it's a clear I like it for him because it elevates his nose it's actually huge <laughs> to have an elevated surface for them to do this and on. You saw the I mean, his, video. you guys, his there sniffing was, no, was... Yeah, his sniffing was insane. It was a huge problem for you. And that video that Sarah's talking about, we're outside. There's no fence. Plenty of things to There's be There's so sniffing. many things. Yeah. And if you could see, like, the intricacies of his nose, it was going the entire time. <laughs> yes. But... In between repetitions, he's to be in a stand, and that means he is kind of actively working. Okay, yeah. And while it's okay if he gets distracted and has to look around, that the next repetition will begin uh, when he focuses. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, or at this point, I can ask for him to focus. He's kind of at that point now. Where you can be like, hey, you want to do another one? Yeah. yeah. That even if he does get a little distracted by... Uh, a few weeks ago, it was the de- he smelled deer coming before we ever saw them, uh, and they yeah. were behind him. And at first, it was his nose, and then he was like, "No, I want to do this." But then he had one ear still flicked back. He was in like, the "There corner. is something," and he was like, "No, but I can do it." And I called him off the cot, and then another student in the class said, "Oh, there's deer," and I'm like, "Holy moly, that just happened!" Wow. So the the cot became very magical in that it kind of created some very clear boundaries around training. Yeah. But then if I ask him to lie down on the mat, he's technically in a break. So the down started with a cookie scatter. Okay. I would ask for a down and a cookie scatter. So then that was kind of building duration for just being on the mat. He's Mm -hmm. eating. Yeah. It wasn't hard. And then I increased the amount of time after his scatter before asking him if he would like to work again. Yeah. And over time, it got up to the four minutes that you saw. Yeah. <laughs> because I always say, um, if we're talking about duration, which that's a duration of staying on the cot. Right. That's a duration behavior. Um, that good duration training is like grass growing. Yeah. You don't actually see grass growing. But it's growing. It's growing. And, and over time. It grows taller and taller. It's It can get really tall. Especially here when it rains a lot. Um, like recently. Not in Colorado. Grass doesn't grow there as well. Um, it's a better metaphor here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like grass growing, like you didn't go and today we're going to do two minutes. No, You just never. kept watching for how long yeah. he could do it. I mean, he was, uh, at first, his his downs after the scatter were very, like, upright, and he was ready, and he was not relaxed. Mm-hmm. And over time, uh, had that video, my camera actually stopped when I was filming that session. But the longer he sat there, he would, like, get up, and he scratched at the mat and, like, curled He was going to get a He was going to get, yeah. He's now <laughs> gotten to, well... It's been seven minutes now, and she's right. not training me I guess again, I'm so. just going to get comfortable then. Right. So, but then I was seeing behaviors that I only see in his crate uh, or in a dog bed at home, and I was like, yeah. we have something Now we here. have relaxation, right. actual relaxation. And that is huge. Yeah. That he can 
be relaxed outside of his crate in someone's backyard where bunnies and deer and everything. Is and happening. it was just through, you just incorporated it, in, it into every session and you just started with a scatter. Yeah. And it just went longer and longer. You guys, that's how it's done. There's no secrets. No. We're not withholding something from you. When we have dogs that are like waiting on <laughs> cots in our training sessions, we're not withholding any secret from you. We just keep at it. Yeah. Because it's important enough and, to us. And observing how they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I probably built really good positions anyways, duration into my position training. So he understood the concept of stay in a down until told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but that started in my living room where there yeah. wasn't anything else. Yeah. Easy. To do. Yeah. And then it was my living room with someone walking around in the kitchen. I mean, yeah. like this dog, if anything, has taught me to split again. Yeah. Make it smaller. And then split again. Right. Yeah. Pretty much that's Felix too. Um, <laughs> Iggy let me get away with way more lumping so than I ever should have. Oh my gosh. Sometimes that you get it blessed with a dog that just know. makes you look good and that's Iggy. And but then the you always get a dog that is like, okay, you looked great, but let's actually fix real things. Right. And now let's teach you something. <laughs> exactly. Now you can handle it. Now You're... that you have some confidence, let's see, let's break it down. And let's let's kill shit. your confidence Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Um so would it be safe to say it would be a nice place to start? So like an agility participant, let's say somebody's listening to this, they're going to a trial, they're going to a seminar this weekend, their dog doesn't have this skill, but they want to start. Would it be safe to say like, bring a cot, bring a lot of food, and anytime the instructor wants to stop and talk to you, do a scatter on the cot. Like maybe we just start there. Yeah, maybe just start there. Uh, a leash is a beautiful thing, you guys. And I was also gonna say, and then maybe you put the dog on a leash too, so that you're not having to tug right. or Pez dispenser right. food. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a huge one is the Pez dispensing. But uh, for instance, uh, I I do a lot of training with my mother-in-law's Icelandic sheepdog puppy, mm-hmm. and so I see her once or twice a week. So the fast route with the cot and um, a class environment was the cot was there. She was on a leash. I made sure that I was about, I was kind of out of the way. I wasn't going to be disrupting anyone. Mm-hmm. And if she was on the cot, she got a few cookies. Mm-hmm. If she was off the cot, I ignored her. Mm-hmm. And she she's was, on a leash. Yeah, this she's on downtime. a leash. It's downtime. Her it's options are time. you can just hang out or you can be on the cot. And if you're on the cot, but you're you going to be pay. paid. Yeah. Like so, it. and she is a dog that she's social, but she's not, um, anxious or worried mm-hmm. or getting herself worked up at all. She is quite good at being still, mm-hmm. uh, almost too good. But she did learn really easily, pretty quickly to just relax in that situation. But I would I would let her know when it was time for action. Yeah. I like it. I think that's some actionable steps that people can yeah. start to try to take Put today. Put them on a leash. That's, that is, uh, so back to a micro skill, but I actually, that's the first type of transport that I teach a young dog is that the rep is, the repetition is complete. Put your leash on, go back and walk back on a leash to the start of the repetition. I love it. So then the dog is learning how to just be next to you. You're getting a ton of leash on leash off work. Walk with you on the leash. And that's definitely something that 
I realized later than I should have <laughs> that I didn't do yeah. with Felix because I train here by myself yeah. and don't oh, it's the need curse, the leash, right? right? And yeah. so I didn't use it. And then when the leash started to be involved, he was like, mm, wait a minute, that's yeah, not right. And I was right. like, oh, Sarah, yeah, wait a <laughs> well, or, or dogs that they learn to love the obstacle so much, mm-hmm. again, back to the one's movement, that from collecting reinforcement back to where the repetition starts, they're offering things in between. They're taking things and they're getting, they're not yeah. getting reinforced yeah. for offering things. Or maybe they are and that's like another potential Issue. problem. Yeah. Or they're getting uh-uh and leave it all the way uh, back. Yeah. So, like, the leash is just so easy. It <laughs> It's it's an errorless learning Absolutely. paradigm it's because you go, that... I'm going to now put the leash on so that you can't do anything other than exactly what I want you to do, and then I'm going to pay you. Exactly. I'm going to get you back to point A, pay you, take your leash off. So, And then also, the dog's not learning that the leash on means game over. Exactly, because that's <laughs> what that's what happens that's if you allow so it to happens. happen. Because that's the truth when it comes to trialing yeah. and seminars and whatever. Leash goes on. And then how many dogs have I personally worked through right. who see the leash and leave and go run zoomies and go do so obstacles many. on their own? So many of them. So, so just incorporating leash on off in those super early stages is so smart. Such yeah. a good idea. Um, all right. I like this phrase from Susan Friedman, cultural fog. (laughs) And what are some of the cultural fog things that you'd like to see go away that we have in agility? And just to be clear, cultural fog kind of describes this kind of overarching belief system that people might have in a culture that isn't actually rooted in anything real or maybe is partially rooted in something real, but exists now only because the culture continues to feed it rather than existing because it actually matters or actually is important. So what are some of those cultural fog ideas and agility that you would like to wave your wand and (laughs) make disappear? Uh, Probably that there's not only one right way to go about training. That's your idea, but the cultural fog idea is that there is right one yeah, right way. Or they're extremist okay. views of it. Like any extremist right. views are probably wrong. <laughs> somewhere, right? There, yeah. Right? There's your version, my version, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that if something isn't working... It's, it's okay to go somewhere else and look for different answers. Always. Uh, I think probably more specific to cultural fog is this loyalty oh boy. that we have in agility. This is... Yeah. Right? That, yeah. And, and I've, I felt it too, right? Absolutely. That I That I train with someone and I really respect them. And then at some point, they aren't providing the service that I need anymore. They're not getting me the yeah. answers to the solutions. They're not getting me the solutions that I need. And that's not anyone's fault. That's actually how it should go. <laughs> like if you're if, if you're, you're with the right coach at the right time, you will learn and then you will hit a point where they can't teach you where anymore. they can't teach you anymore and then you need to go 
higher up. Right. And that or make sure you're with a coach that's always that's improving them that it right? is leveling themselves up, up constantly, constantly and therefore then you can kind of stay with that coach right. because they're staying those several steps ahead of you. Right. But it's gonna happen that you do yeah. surpass or you have a problem that that's not in their wheelhouse. Just like we talked that's about. That's huge, yeah. That so if some a lot of people and I certainly started that way when I started teaching agility it was because I didn't want to teach like basic, basic pet manners and anymore. pet manners. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to teach agility and yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Turns out I actually just want to do really good dog training and make sure dogs actually yeah. enjoy the sport we enjoy. Yeah. Um, so it, it circled back for me, but I think that's how a lot of pe- agility instructors are. It's not their full-time job. Yeah, a lot of of agility instructors, they've got a day job that they constantly have to level up in and they're teaching agility to give back and they have a lot of good ideas, but their resources are maybe limited. Yeah. At some point you're probably going to surpass them. Yeah. And it's okay to go somewhere else. It's also okay to accept that if something appears to be working beautifully for everybody else on social media, but it's not working for <laughs> you. A highlight reel of everyone's under, Yeah, understand that you aren't seeing the dogs that isn't working for. No. And you're not seeing the handlers it's not working for. I don't think any of my border collies can sit on that mat for four minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Their videos don't get posted on Facebook. <laughs> not that kind of video. No, no right? Um, so it's okay to... You know, just because something's somebody who you think of as like an icon or somebody who seems to always be at the top of the sport, just because they say something is true, doesn't mean it has to be true for you. Right. And doesn't mean and doesn't mean that their way is the only route to those behaviors that you want. Exactly. Definitely. I think that's an important one. Yeah, you got to be willing to go. If you don't know the answer and the primary person you're training with doesn't know the answer. Keep looking. You've got to keep looking. Because somebody has it. Somebody has it. (laughs) Because this is at the end of the day, it's all dog training. Yeah. Which means that there is an answer. Yeah. And if you can't find it from a dog trainer, go to some fancy exotic animal trainer because they've got. That's what I always say. I have Ken Ramirez's um, book. It's this big fat book. Just, I think it's just called animal training. Yeah. Um, I crack that all the time. There's answers everywhere. And like, yes, it's about dolphins and sea lions and, you know, all of these beluga whales and whatever. And like, that's the stories, but the principles are all the same. Yeah. Um, and yeah, keep looking and then look outside the species that right. the people are training and, and keep looking more. So you just might not have found your problem yet totally someone who has solved it i mean yeah it's true and then usually the problems are i think a lot of people think that their problems are context specific always right and that's typically not actually true not at all taking the problem out of context to solve it is usually smartest yeah meaning you're not going to fix your contacts in in trials and if you think <laughs> oh you just went there sarah I just went there sorry <laughs> and if you think it only it is only a problem in trials yeah then 
you've not you haven't it pushed your, you <laughs> haven't poked that bear enough in training. Uh-huh. And I can usually poke that bear. Megan can guaranteed get your dog to break that contact if you tell her that you think it only happens in trials. Um, and it's not about get them to break either. It's about slowly, yeah, slowly pushing the skill right. to a level that the dog, the trial's like such a piece of cake for them. Yes. But you will create context-specific problems by allowing it to continue and just right. and just and kind of saying, oh, well. Potential rabbit hole, it becomes a mental problem. Oh, yeah, because people start to human. panic about right. that. Right, because it happens one time, and then, okay, so dog flies off the dog walk for the first time. Probably just slipped. Needed to bail. <laughs> Probably just made right. a, an right. error. Yeah. An honest-to-goodness error. Because those happen. Right? They happen. And then the very next uh, run with the dog walk, the, the handler is adding all sorts of pressure that they've never, like, help, but it's pressure. Quote-unquote help, Right? Yeah. Contact man. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Extra weight. You stop. Right, and, right, right. And, and now the dog's like, ah! <laughs> right. And then actually jumps off. Right. And now it's happened twice, which means it happens always. Yeah. So that's the fallout of having a human brain. Yeah. Is if it happens twice, it's now always. Yeah. And now you have an actual problem, but it's and not now the dog's you have an problem. Actual problem. <laughs> I think weave poles are like the biggest oh, place that we yeah. see people's panic yes. about an obstacle ruin the obstacle. And, and also back to that like human brain thing. When they miss it the first time and mm-hmm. they complete it the second time, what does your brain remember? The fact that they missed it. No. No, the, the fact that they... You fixed it. Oh, the fact... You're right. Your right. brain remembers that you fixed it. You did it. it. They did it. I don't have a weak problem. Which is... I mean, we could right? talk another 45 minutes totally. about the fact that... Um, I'm very good at rabbit holes. The fact <laughs> that... Doing... The fact that we're allowed to repeat weave poles, basically... Well, just give it time. We're allowed to repeat everything very soon. We are soon, aren't we? Yep. That creates... Some feelings. That's okay. I've got feelings about it. We can design. (laughs) You should do a webinar on handling mistakes in trials. A workshop's coming up. You are doing a workshop on that? In October, yeah. Coming right up. Well, Megan, that's the perfect thing to end on. (laughs) Let's talk about your workshop. Um, Yeah, it's going to be on the Finzi Dog Sports Academy. Uh, sometime in October, so I think that goes on sale the end of September. September 22nd, it should go um, on sale. It will be on handling errors in agility. Literally, I didn't even know that, and I just said that. <laughs> that was so. That was that weird. was a perfect segue. So totally. coming right up, September 22nd should be, that's when everything opens. So yeah, I would imagine opens. that's when the workshop opens. Um, so Megan Foster's doing a workshop on Fenzy Dog Sports Academy on handling errors and trials. And the really cool thing about the workshop is that there's video feedback. Right. So that's the difference between a workshop and a webinar. Webinar, you're just talking. Workshop, you have your lecture, and then people have, what, a week? A week to They have a week to it. submit to practice, and then they can something. submit 90 seconds of video, yeah. and then you get um, individual feedback, which is, right. like, the biggest deal on the internet. Right, it's, like, Cause it's 30 cheap. I think it's thirty nine ninety. Yeah, spot. it's 40 bucks basically, yeah. for a working spot. For, so to get some personal feedback from Megan on handling errors in trials. Which actually starts in training. Which actually starts in training. <laughs> so you don't have to be signed you up for a trial. You don't need to be signed up. In fact, it's probably better if you're not. Right. Because so, you don't have a lot of options right, once so you're it, in the it's trial. It's going to be a lot about teaching 
the protocol of how to respond yeah. to an error. Excellent. And yeah, that's not done in a competition. It's sure just, it, it's going to be a fancy Because you got to show the dog the <laughs> protocol like. so that they understand right. the protocol. So that right. you can then actually communicate with them in the trial. And, and yeah, that you don't just stand there silently screaming in your head. So you don't panic because right. you're like, I did not expect this. And now I don't have a plan. And now I don't know what to do. That's all an error is, Sarah. That's is all an, an error is. an unexpected response yep. to a cue you thought you gave. And exactly. a lot of times. It's giving a cue and getting something else. <laughs> and, and sometimes you didn't give the cue you thought you gave. And I'd say as far as handling, handling those, errors go, right. that's 100% so gonna, of the time. Yeah, so that's like the, the what I really want. Off courses and refusals totally. are handling errors. It's not just going to be about obstacles and start lines. It's how to deal with a handling error in training versus in competition. How to split that up, how to train that. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be awesome. So you guys should all sign up for that. All right, Megan, thank you so much. We'll have to do this again because there were plenty of rabbit holes Definitely. that we both resisted. <laughs> we resisted the rabbit holes and I'm proud of us. Yeah, that was really good. All right. This was awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, being a part of the CogDoc Radio community, and getting access to all kinds of extras, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio to become a patron.